Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi everyone, it's James here. Uh, welcome to It Could Happen here. Today it's just me and we're talking again about the UC strike, uh, but the audio is not great. We had some technical issues on my end, not, not on Matt's end, but we wanted to put it out nonetheless because we felt that it was a very important episode and things are developing very rapidly at the UC and we thought that our listeners would like it. So apologies for the poor quality of the audio. We hope you can get through it anyway. Bye. All right, so... I'm talking today with Matthew Ehrlich, who's a seven, seventh-year PhD candidate in the history department. Uh, Matthew, would you like to explain a little bit of uh, who you are and what you've been doing with reference to the strike in the last three weeks, and maybe before as well? Yes. Uh, so I uh, studied Spanish history, uh, the 19th century empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at UCSD for seven years. Um, I I was doing research in Spain um, for two years during the COVID pandemic. So there was a sort of break in my um, university participation between uh, my, my qualifying exams uh, first two or three years I was there. Um, and then I left and I came back and I found the campus was, was quite different, um, both from COVID and from the increasing economic hardships. Um, so uh, in the last year, uh, we have all been um, targeting, um, trying to buy a new contract. Um, and as I'm sure all your listeners are aware by this point, uh, that part has gone on for more than a year, uh, 18 months in, in some cases, um, without a successful resolution and with a ton of unfair labor practices on behalf of the uh, UC administration. Uh, so on November 15th, I believe was the date we walked out on strike. 
Um, I had signed up several months earlier to be a strike captain for the history department. Mm-hmm. Um, I was assisted by a sort of informal committee of, of five of the younger people. Nice. Um, sort of due to the pandemic, uh, a lot of my colleagues in my cohort um, were not able to go and do their research. Uh, so they're generally out of the country right now doing their field research. So we have a really great department of, of primarily first through third years that are uh, participating um, and, and kind of leading the effort. I also had signed up to be a, a picket, uh, a picket leader um, that boiled down to what I've been really occupying myself with saying has been uh, uh, being a food captain. So we have been cooking for about 150 people at oh, wow. our location on campus. Um, we've been getting lots of great donations, um, food and, and cash, and we've been reinvesting that to feed the hungry picketers and spread to other picket locations. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's really nice to uh, to bring up, actually, because... Um, that we were speaking about before the call, right? So many uh, people are familiar with and supportive of the concept of of unions and unionization and workers' rights, but I think relatively few people have actually been on strike and, and seen what it takes to organize and all the little things you have to take care of. And so did you just step into that food captain role, like kind of ad hoc? Yeah, more or less. I, I showed up on the first day um, and I realized we had been marching around and shouting ourselves for it. Yeah. There was no water. So I ran yeah. down to the grocery store and I, I bought a bunch of water and that sort of snowballed into uh, cooking. Now we have about eight or nine people. Um, we rotate shifts and meal planning. Um, we actually use the history part of the graduate lounge. So <laughs> nice. But... Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's really been our experience of picketing is for all the organization and, and, and signing up for different tasks that we did beforehand, hitting the ground and seeing what uh, what is needed to sustain that yeah. on a day-to-day level has, uh, has been a journey. Yeah, I bet. But it seems to have been largely a successful one. Like everyone... It's out, energetic. Um, there have been some really impressive actions, actually. Like, I don't know if you were part of the uh, La Jolla Village Drive uh, <laughs> shutdown. I don't know what you want to call that yesterday, but uh, did you take part in that? No, I was. Okay. I was. I was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I met the people who were there. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We actually found a faculty uh, spy the day before who went in and asked what time that was going. That gave us our our sort of. Uh, our window. There's been a lot of direct action, and it's, it's been very successful from both the morale perspective and uh, conversational. I'm, I'm sure you're aware we uh, uh, approached Chancellor Bosla uh, yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. uh, and even though obviously we didn't get a promise from him that he would raise our wages or tell President Drake to raise our wages, uh, it, it was you know very energizing for. Uh, people who have, you know, been, been not able to show up because of Thanksgiving break or felt yeah. a lull between there. We go with direct action is, is one of our strong suits at this point. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it is. It is wonderful to see, actually, like so many of us spent so much of our, our lives like studying workers movements and unionization and strikes. And it's cool to see people walking the talk out a little bit. And also very applicable. I mean, what are the really great things about going on strike with a bunch of graduates? <laughs> you have the smartest minds in practically every field. We have, you know, com- communications that are 
uh, are working on emails and flyers and, and such. You've got uh, philosophy who are, uh, uh, you know, being philosophers. <laughs> yeah. Historians um, who are, 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 you know, quoting working class movements of the past to help uh, shape our strategy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool thing to see. Um, I remember a long time ago in like 2010, and when last time we were on strike, and uh, yeah, it was very cool. Um, one of the professors I was working with was a lit professor, and she came and read some stuff, and then you know I I, I made people listen to me talking about Deruti for a while, and uh, I enjoyed myself, even if maybe they didn't. Um, so yeah, it, I want to talk a little bit as well about like you're in week three now and you said like you've been maintaining the energy and you're feeding people which is great um how has obviously like strikes come with an element of economic hardship and, and that's somewhat offset by union strike funds but it's given the economic precarity of people who are graduate students anyway uh, it, it could be really tough so how has that been we're not quite at december 1st yet which I, would that be the first missed paycheck if people are gonna not get paid yes uh we are most of us convinced that the UC will not have gotten their their house in order by this point. We were working until November fifteenth, so mm -hmm. at least you would be entitled to half of a month's pay. But because there's no real way for the UC to determine exactly which workers are withholding labor and exactly which workers are on strike, it seems like the majority of workers will be receiving their first their their November paycheck um, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. We have also been receiving strike assistance from the union, mm -hmm. uh, from the UAW. Um, we're all aware that if we do receive our paycheck from the university, we will have to return that money so that we can fuel future uh, yeah. strike assistance. Um, and, and we're by and large okay with that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I found out that UAW actually, before Thanksgiving, they, uh, they doubled the strike assistance as oh, wow. a sort of form of holiday pay. So for this month, one way or another, um, we are all very hopeful that we'll be able to make ends meet. Uh, next month is, is, you know, if the strike does continue, um, sort of a bridge that we'll have to cross. I, I've spoken to a lot of workers in the history department who are very concerned about um, about missed paychecks, uh, particularly also in the program that I teach for the making of the modern world, yeah. which recruits heavily from the history department, yeah. also has uh, non-student TAs and are not covered by the union and are not uh, 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 eligible for strike pay, pulling their labor in solidarity. But they're very concerned that uh, you know they're primarily working as their full-time job. Yeah, that's tough actually. I've 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 taught in that program too, both as a student and a non-student, and. It, it's a good program, but it doesn't pay a ton and, and you don't save a lot of money living in Southern California, so it could be tough. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Is there a way to contribute if people want to contribute to those people who are sort of withholding labor and solidarity? Uh, yes, so we are, uh, there is a uh, UAW strike hardship fund. Mm-hmm. We don't have the information right now. Yeah, yeah, I'll include it in the notes for people. Uh, the UAW hardship fund, and there's also a, uh, a Venmo that we're accepting donations for. Yeah. And we're distributing that to the nine tickets on, on the UCS campus moment we've been just overwhelmed with goodwill and prices. Um, yeah. but you know depending on how long the strike goes this would definitely be something that we do with like large public support the thing i think that the public at large can be doing is is exerting political pressure on the regions and on the president to uh, uh come up with a yeah yeah and I, yeah i hope they continue to do so and let's talk a little bit about everyone we've talked to so far has been a science or engineering person. And obviously the experience is a little different when you're a, a historian or arts or humanities person, because you, you don't go to a lab, right? You don't, your research is a bit different and your work is a bit different. So can you explain a little bit about the work, the work that one does as a history grad student, the, the labor that one does for the university and and what the differences in what it's like withholding that labor. The difference is, is that uh, when we are, the vast majority of us that are in the history department uh, are ASEs, we are TAs, and of that, the majority of us teach for either the writing programs or for the history department. Um, so when we look at what we can contribute to the strike, we are looking at the withholding not only of grades, but of the type of grading that cannot be replaced. Uh, the course I'm teaching for now, there's uh, five or six BAs, and there's 650 students. I'm responsible for 60 of those students. Yeah. Each of those students has a weekly discussion uh, panel of five or 600 words. They have uh, 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 content analysis papers, which there's now two of them that are missing. Those are things that can that cannot be reverted to multiple choice. It's a writing program. Yeah. It's not a formula. It's not something that can be easily replaced. Uh, uh, um, yeah. We are aware that there has been some tension in terms of, of strategic planning between the ASEs and, and uh, SRUs in the STEM fields uh, that 
uh, on the one hand, in their, in their teaching duties, um, they are very afraid that their professors will be able to co-opt the teaching process um, by making exams multiple choice or, or something else. I, I'm not yeah. really sure how that would work. I know that that's just not really possible yeah. the, uh, in the humanities. Um, and the other th issue, which again, I can't really speak to, but I'm sure your other uh, contributors have explained this, is we don't work in labs. Our research is much more long-term. We primarily conduct that research either in, uh, in absentia during the school year with external fellowships or during the summer. Um, yeah. Whereas SRUs tend to be working in their labs more or less constantly. I yeah. heard it said that one of the reasons that uh, SRUs are rumored to be less uh, uh, committed to a long-term strike is because missing two weeks in a lab sets them back by six months in their career. For, yeah. for the vast majority of the humanities uh, uh, ASEs that I talked to, uh, two weeks is, is very... Yeah. It can be picked up. You know, if you're reading a book in your spare time, it, it's not uh, something that we need to be in, in with Bunsen burners and test tubes and, and bad animals. Um, yeah. So there seems to be a, a kind of a, a material uh, conditions divide between yeah. uh, SOUs and ASCs on the one hand and the STEM and humanities on the other. Right, yeah, yeah. There are definitely like two week periods I spent on my research and stuff that I never used in, in any of my final projects. Like trying to get an archive to open in Spain uh, can often take that long. So I think one thing I'd like to talk about is like the, as it stands now, what you're hearing from the bargaining team and how that's being received. Like, I know there are a lot of different demands, a lot of different things that brought people to the strike, right? The uh, access needs, COLA, the unfair labor practices, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, what are you hearing on the picket line and, and how is it being received? So the, the news for the first week was on day four, the SRU bargaining team agreed to accept a 7% yearly increase versus a cost of living adjustment that would be paid, I believe, to the median uh, uh, rent uh, increase in, I think, in the most expensive cities in California, which would be San Diego and, and San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, the strike was sold to the vast majority of, of the uh, unradicalized, un, uneducated rank and file as being about the 54,000 base pay. Uh, yeah. As well as the access needs, as well as uh, you know, guaranteed uh, summer employment for some units, um, and, and various different things. But um, there was a lot of consternation in on day four, and I think a lot of us became very radicalized um, when we realized that not only had the uh, SRU bargaining team apparently made a concession. Uh, on day four of what was what was supposed to be a very powerful strike, yeah. um, but that that concession didn't really resolve the issue of, of skyrocketing inflation and, and rent costs. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know different campuses were weighing in to say, you know, in Santa Cruz, the rent went up something like sixty-five percent in the last year. So seven percent flat increase doesn't help us at all. Like, yeah. If, the University of California, the largest employer and the largest landlord in the state of California, uh, is is raising, you know, their wages by a flat rate. Then, then all the landlords in that area will continue to raise wages even higher. 
uh, or rent even higher. Yeah. Um, so a lot of us who were really, uh, I wasn't around for the 2020 COLA wildcat strike, uh, but in the process of this consternation of, of the SRUBT giving up this uh, uh, COLA that's fixed to the median rent, um, a lot of us became very, um, I was so disillusioned, but very uh, radicalized and um, started looking into it more. Uh, in the humanities, I can say, in our picket line, where we have uh, philosophy, literature, uh, uh, history, um, and a number of other related departments, uh, who's very militant. Uh, that was the first kind of moment of uh, uh, consciousness of awareness, I think, for a lot of us. Um, and over the last week, it's uh, the last two weeks, it's become a kind of internal uh, struggle over, over tactics and strategy. Uh, whether it's reasonable to expect that we can hold out for our aims, the bargaining teams have, on our campus at least, and there are exceptions, um, have, have generally have generally advanced a sort of moderate line that yeah 54,000 is, is high in the sky is great dream but you know the way the bargaining works is is you offer something high and you get something low I think we're, we're all you know willing to accept that that is how bargaining works but we have at least in my think of mine at least in the humanities been very concerned by the tactical decisions to make certain concessions at certain stages without letting the full power of, of our strike take hold, especially the withholding of grades, which is coming up yeah. this week and next week. Um, another thing which, you know, uh, most of us have not been on the bargaining team, and a lot of us are just kind of checking in uh to this this very long-term process pretty late in the game yeah when you watch these bargaining sessions and see what you see is offering definitely does not seem like the bargaining team strategy of offering a concession in order to get something uh else bigger it is working at all um we i believe made some compromises on accessibility needs uh, in the hopes that that would provoke the UC to offer a comprehensive economic package. Last year we did. Uh, okay. It included a 1.5% increase for the SRU's <laughs> proposal and nothing for the ASEs. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's you're still a long way apart then. So in, in both in both the removal of COLA on day four and mm-hmm. last night's bargaining, I think there's real concern that the, the bargaining team is getting the, the short end of the stick. Yeah, that's tough. If people don't remember from last time, by the way, COLA is the cost of living adjustment that was the initial cause of the 2020 Wildcats, right? Yes, COLA is cost of living adjustment. And there was a lot of um, uh, really interesting discourse about kind of what that meant. People who are chanting no COLA, no contract, they define COLA as, as meaning specifically a yearly percentage increase that is tied to its median rent. Yeah. I, I that median rent. Whereas uh, the bargaining team had, had argued that a 7% yearly increase qualified as well, uh, it was a yearly increase. Right, but maybe less than inflation given, and certainly less than rent, given what rent has done in the last couple of years. In, and these universities are in very desirable places to live with very high rents. They 
don't offer subsidy or they don't offer significantly subsidized housing, especially to grad students often, especially not to all grad students. And uh, so, yeah, it becomes very difficult to live even on what would seem like a decent wage. And unless you want to commute a long way. Something like 90% kind of work. And again, I, I'm a historian, not a uh, political scientist, believe that the vast majority of graduate students who were polled said that they were rent burdened, that 50% or more uh, of their money went to rent. Most people I've talked to, it's, it's more like 70%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can find yourself in that situation working for the university and with the university also as your landlord and you're paying the census, which you know it has control over both ends and it's not doing much to help anyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Let's talk about withholding grades because that's coming up, right? And that's kind of the the next level of escalation, I suppose, or like the the, the next hurdle um, that's coming up. So, what does withholding grades look like? And can and can you explain why there's sort of a pedagogical reason that people would be obviously like worried about doing that, or it's a, it's this a sort of barrier um, and what it would do to the university and what it would do uh, to your students as well. Yes. So fundamentally, the, the withholding of grades is the withholding of the ultimate finished product of our labor. Um, we can talk about pedagogy and ideology and, and you know, highly yeah. ivory tower and yeah. as much as we want. But at the end of the day, when an when, uh, uh, undergraduate at the University of California uh, pays their tuition, they expect to get grades and transcripts yeah. in return. And the, the reputation of the UC that makes it one of the premier public institutions in the world 
is that that grading uh, is, is accredited to be uh, reflective of very high quality of education. We are saying that we are not providing that ultimate uh, record, um, which in the end is, is you know, uh, what a student would uh, demonstrate if they were applying to graduate school, uh, if they were um, applying for internship, really anything that uh, reflects their college experience um, would be tied to that grade. We are also saying that, you know, in addition to that very brutal kind of explicit uh, uh, result, um, the, the pedagogy itself is also suffering. That, you know, students are here to learn and, and you know, you might complain in an individual class, but by and large they do get a lot from their education. And if they are not being actively taught by their teaching assistants, um, they're suffering. In, in the MMW program that you and I both taught for, yeah. um, the, the lectures are, are not for fun, but they're very, uh, you know, it's, it's a very large lecture hall. It's kind of a general history, the vast majority of instruction, both in the uh, historical, cultural uh, content of the course, as well as in the uh, the, the writing uh, aspect, which is the point of the program to develop a skilled, analytical, academic writers. Um, and they are not getting that at all. That's some. That's a burden that is carried 100% by the TAs. And by withholding that, uh, it, it, uh, it prevents the students from receiving quality education, uh, essentially. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping that, that particularly in the humanities where our labor is completely irreplaceable, um, that will pressure the university. Now, we have been hearing that um, some universities have been unilaterally extending the deadline for final grades. Yeah. And I believe that uh, either Riverside or Irvine, I just saw a message about this, had extended January. There's a lot of sort of confusion about what that would entail. If, yeah. you know, if the strike is over, we all go back. We then have to right. Right. Um, it seems like some faculty have either in solidarity or in uh, uh, desperation <laughs> decided to either move final exam, change the format of those exams. Um, we are, I think, at root the most afraid that the university will uh, uh, grant some sort of amnesty. Uh, you know, yeah, just a P. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a massive step for the university to take in undermining their own status and a yeah, the well-being of their students, right? Like if you have a required class or required grade in a certain class to progress to graduate school or to progress to a vocational degree, then um, yeah, that, that would make it, that could have long-term implications for those students. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be a big step for them. So we'll, I suppose, yeah, they, that's interesting. If they extend it, what are you required to go back and redo? That's a huge amount of labor that you would then be doing in a very compact amount of time. To grade three MOW assignments is uh, an endurance challenge. 
grades are normally due in like mid-December, right? Is that still the case at UCSD right now? So this this is this is week ten. Yeah, the clock is ticking. So how does the uh, how does the strike look if you go past week ten, right? If you go not just in terms of withholding grades, but obviously campus is very different when the undergrads aren't there. Right. I don't think that we've had really uh, we have had discussions about whether or not we're in it for the long haul. We are, I think, at, at the moment hedging our bets on the next two weeks being in, in some ways decisive yeah um, there is a faction uh a strategic faction that feel that once finals are are over our power dramatically weakens um certainly if the uc did decide to uh uh, uh sort of bypass the the grading for this mm-hmm. it seemed like that would be a half analysis i'm not convinced that they would do that um, in, in my, my view, the longer that we withhold those grades, um, the look, we continue to have the leverage. I don't think the UC will just throw up their hands, you know, uh, the weekend final and say, oh, well, it's a write-off. See you next quarter. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they might try and hold you out. I'd love to know, like, to close out what you've learned through the, the three and a bit weeks you've been on strike and what you think, like, people should take from this. Like, it's an unprecedented era for workers' organization in the last... 20, 30 years, we've seen more strikes in the last few years than we have in decades. So what can people learn from the UC experience? Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the things that I uh, have learned, um, which is very salient in my mind, um, as somebody who who started organizing uh, about three or four months before the strike, I was approached to uh, uh, be a strike captain and then thinking leader. I went to various trainings. I went, uh, sat in on campus organizing committee meetings. Um, and the, the message that we were given kind of before the strike began was that we had an incredible amount of power. The strike ratification vote where uh, we uh, uh, more than three quarters of the graduate students voted overwhelmingly in the 98 percentile to go on strike. Um, we all went in with a very powerful sense of, of uh, the historic nature of the strike and our our, uh, our bargaining power and our solidarity. Um, that seemed to be treated by many of the union leadership as a finite resource, as something that we more or less pulled the trigger on, sent the workers out, hoped for a smart resolution, and if we didn't get it, then um, worked to wrap it up uh, as quickly as we can. I'm sure that I'm giving them short shrift and that this is probably ultimately an unfair analysis, but very much the perception, even routinely, that, that you know, this isn't sustainable, that we are reaching our peak power, um, that now is the time to start uh, uh, kind of pivoting to making these concessions. And we're all kind of saying, like, no, this, the organizing doesn't stop when you walk out, the organizing begins when you walk out. And for for people like me, who you know had, had some knowledge, I I uh, experience in organizing. I've been talking by movements. Um, I consider myself very well educated, radical. Um, but just at the fact of getting on the picket line, experiencing it day to day, talking to my fellow workers across campuses, uh, across picket lines, has been energizing and radicalizing all on its own. And I don't think that the union leadership really knew what to do with that and how to leverage it. The bushes were fishes or horses or whatever. I think that um, 
a lot of schools with the uh, our campus student leadership ought to have done a better job with the uh, the day-to-day energizing. Um, one issue that uh, you know I, I can't blame specifically on on uh, a specific bargaining unit or, or uh, even the U- UAW actually six five, but it is a union rule that comes from above. Is that um, if you do not pick it, you do not actively sign up or pick it shifts that you do have a around, you do not get strike pay. Um, and for a lot of us who have accessibility needs or are, are not close to campus or are uh, withholding their labor and active in the strike in other ways, they feel like there's not really a place for them in the strike. Yeah. Um, and, and they're doing equally crucial work. Yes, it's good to have people picketing and, and have that visibility. But ultimately, if there were two people picketing and everybody else was withholding their labor, we would still win the strike. Uh, so there seems to be a, a, a overwhelming emphasis on the visible symbol of our power and our solidarity and the um, concession that was made in, in day four was explained by uh, a dwindling uh, amount of people who were showing up for pickets, you know, from day one to two to three to four. Um, and a lot of us tried to push back on that. So yes, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard to sustain that physical presence. Yeah. But we should be also uh, working to bolster and encourage and um, uh, harness the power of those workers who can't make a picket every day. But yeah. nevertheless, doing uh, a crucial labor stop. Yeah, is there still a remote picketing option? Does that count? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, it, uh, you know, in, in any in any organization that's mm-hmm. run by uh, you know a, 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 a mass of workers, there's yeah. going to be some growing pains. And there are issues in the first in the first week of, of kind of dueling. Uh, remote coordinators with separate lists that resolve, and they seem to have been resolved by now. Same thing with some delays in uh, processing strike pay uh, account disbursements. Again, it, there's there's no shadiness happening here. It's just right. thousands and thousands of workers doing this for the first time. Um, but for but for people who are uh, you know sort of on the fence or saying I I I can't really afford to miss a paycheck. That was a, a real big stressor for them. It affected their um, their willingness to kind of be out there every day. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it, it, yeah, it's it's already a, a stressful time. But like you say, these things will have people will learn in the process, right? Like it's new for so many people. It's unprecedented to have like ten percent of the graduate students in the country withholding their labor. Um, so like there will of course be growing pains, and I think. Often when we look at strikes, like both you and me as historians and as consumers of the news, we like we see one photo of a bunch of people like in high vis standing around a brazier. And then three weeks later, we read another story about a, a resolution contract. Right. And in fact, what makes a strike powerful is feeding people and, and being showing up and looking out for one another. So like that's what we're trying to document thanks so much matt um i wonder where people can find if you'd like to give your own social media or where people can find strike updates from the uc and from uc san diego anything like that you want to plug uh, yes I, I i'm partisan in this but i would highly recommend not uh getting strike updates from uc san diego oh, sorry yeah from the campus not from the university yeah 
So fair you see now Yeah. I think it's still, I think it's an org. Yeah. Can you tell us the Venmo where people can, like, in the true Spanish historian fashion, feed everyone? Have you got a giant paella out there? Are you, like, with the spade and... So I will clarify. This is a this is an unofficial. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is not the UAW worldwide Venmo, but uh, the the ticketers on the UCSD campus who yeah. have been organizing meetings across the lines. Our Venmo is at UCSD Strike Food. Nice. Yeah. Easy to remember. Right, hopefully, you get some donations. Thanks so much for your time, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.